And one of the things that we've seen is that companies who try and take the old way of work and just put a Zoom meeting on top of it are experiencing burnout at an individual level and chaos and dysfunction at an organizational level. And you just can't take the old way and put it onto the new way and expect it to work. Welcome to the Going Global podcast, brought to you by Globalization Partners. Hire anyone, anywhere, quickly and easily. Use our AI-driven, automated, fully compliant global employment platform, powered by our in-house worldwide HR experts with a 98% customer satisfaction rating. Globalization Partners, succeed faster. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Going Global, the podcast where leaders in high growth companies tell us their own stories of going global and building global remote teams. I'm your host, Diego Mendiburu, and remember that you can find all episodes of this show on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Today, we're interviewing Adam Nathan. Adam is co-founder and CEO of Almanac, a collaborative doc editor for remote teams that replaces Google Docs and Microsoft Word. Almanac brings distributed teams together to document, organize, and collaborate on work without meetings. Hello, Adam, and welcome to our show. Great. Uh, good to be here. So, Adam, you pretty much are a person that is actively trying to change the way we work. We've all been through a lot of changes in the last months. So I wonder how have you experienced the sudden normalization of remote work, being you someone that wants to change the way we work? Do you feel you were more prepared for these changes than everyone else? Has it made you rethink how your platform works? Yeah, so, so just to give you some context, I run a company called Almanac, and what we're building at Almanac is an asynchronous operating system for remote teams and distributed collaboration. At its core, it's a doc editor, but we built task-based workflows and version control to basically allow teams to get stuff done around their collaboration without needing meetings or messages. And, and to your question, Almanac as a company was remote first from the start. One of my co-founders who runs our engineering team lives in the United Kingdom. I live in San Francisco, we have team members all the way from Hawaii to Poland <laughs> across uh, nine time zones. And so we, we built the company as remote first from the start. One thing about, I think, COVID and the pandemic is that the way people have been forced into remote work, I don't think is how remote work ideally it should be. You know, that this is these aren't normal times. This is a normal work. And so I, I think while many people have experienced some of the benefits of remote work, namely being able to work when and where and how you want to. It's also been a really stressful period for a lot of folks. I'm excited for the days ahead when people are able to experience remote as it should be, which means you really have control and freedom over your life to work in a way that enables you to focus and to get into a flow state. I think that's a real benefit of remote work is basically the control that gives you over your life. That's what we found with our team before the pandemic and what I hope many people can experience afterwards. Maybe a lot of organizations out there were not prepared to embrace remote work and they thought that, you know, going to the office was the right way to do things because things seem to be working like that. But don't you think that remote work has made some organizational problems that already existed inside companies more evident and easy to recognize? Because, you know, no one knew where the foundational documents or the documentation of a company existed because you could just easily walk and ask someone, hey, do you know where I can find this document? And now we cannot do that. So maybe there are a lot of things that we thought that were working and turns out that they didn't. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I think in the old way, as we call that, which we term office culture, yeah. things got done, but it was just so incredibly hard. And if you look at the data, 
you know, people spend 60% of their days in meetings, another 30% of their days responding to emails and Slack messages and looking for information and tapping people on the shoulder. There's basically no time in the office from nine to five to actually get stuff done. And I think you're right that now that we are all working remotely, trying to work the way that we did has just exposed a lot of the issues that that way I had. As you said, number one, it was super inefficient. The fact that we only got stuff done when everybody could be in the same room together meant that we couldn't get a lot done. (laughs) Number two, the way that we used to work was inequitable because not everyone could fit in the same room. Often what you found in meetings is that the last idea won or the loudest idea won versus the best idea winning. Um, That's not a great way to work where you know, not where the best idea can win. And then as, as you mentioned, the way that we used to work wasn't transparent at all. And that if you weren't in the room, if you weren't in the meeting, you had no idea what happened. It wasn't written down. It wasn't shared out. And so getting the information you needed to get your job done was incredibly hard. And I think everybody was existing that way for a long time. And we, we couldn't see that there was a better way. And so that was what we did. And now that we work remotely and we have access to better tooling, I think that there's an emergent new way of working that is much more efficient, much more equitable, and much more transparent. And one of the things that we've seen is that companies who try and take the old way of work and just put a Zoom meeting on top of it are experiencing burnout at an individual level and chaos and dysfunction at an organizational level. And you you just can't take the old way and put it onto the new way and expect it to work. People were burning out before. People are burning out now, though, in, in record numbers. And what we've seen is that you you really need to move to a, as you mentioned, documentation first, largely asynchronous style of collaboration in order to enable people to work across time zones and geographies if you want to survive and succeed in in this new world that we live in. So we are talking about several concepts that maybe some people out there haven't heard about. Can you explain us what is exactly this thing called asynchronous work and why is it better than the old ways of doing things? Yeah, that's that's a great question. The opposite of asynchronous is synchronous, and synchronous means that you are in the same place at the same time as somebody else. So a good example of like digital synchronous work is like a Zoom meeting or even like Slack or email. You know, one of the things that's clear about email from the research is that even though you send an email um, and someone could respond to it days later, most people, 90% of emails get um, looked at within the first five minutes of their receipt. And so people are basically using emails if they're using messages or chat where you're basically responding, reading and responding to that message as quickly as, as soon as you got it. So Zoom meetings, messages, Slack are all examples of synchronous forums, really, where in order to get stuff done, you're basically communicating in real time. And you know, if, if, even, even though you're remote, it's, it's as if you're in the same room together. Asynchronous is this idea that uh, when you send a message or an email or a piece of work, it doesn't necessarily get responded to or worked on right when you sent it. And so it's, it's as if rather than having a meeting that exists only with one, in one hour, Someone on one side can spend the time and energy and focus they need to to do their part of the work, and then they pass it off, and then the person on the receiving end can respond to it and work on it when and where and how it works for them. And so obviously, if you are working across time zones, if you have team members in Asia and North America and Europe, there's no way that everyone can be in the meeting at the same time if they actually want to have a sustainable life. You need asynchronous ways of communicating and collaborating in order to get stuff done. And so core to most asynchronous processes is written text, because how do you communicate if you can't speak verbally like we are doing on this podcast? You have to write it down. There are great tools that they're like Loom that allow you to do asynchronous video recordings as well, where you can send a video message and then someone can 
uh, look at it and respond to it when and where and how it works for them. But most asynchronous working styles rely on documentation or written text. So uh, as far as I understand, you pretty much created Almanac because you saw all these problems that organizations have when they try to document their processes and, and, and make them available for new employees to find out about them and even more so now with remote work. So maybe you can tell us a bit of that uh, experience of, about how you came up with this idea. But I wanted to ask, what are you doing now to capture you know, uh, the challenges that organizations are facing due to remote work? I mean, how do you get in touch with them? How do you absorb the problems that organizations have in order to put more features into your product? Yeah, so just to give you some context, one of the reasons that we started Almanac was because me and my co-founders realized that most of our time at work was spent doing work that didn't feel like work. Before Almanac, I was a product manager for eight years at Lyft and a fintech called Varo and, and Apple. And the reason that I was a product manager is because I wanted to build things that people loved. But what I realized was I was spending most of my time at work, sitting in meetings, trying to get on the same page as people, copying and pasting information between different applications or versions of documents. It all felt like overhead work or busy work. Certainly wasn't what I woke up to do in the morning. I don't think it was what my employers was, were paying me to do. Mm. Uh, and so something just felt off about like, why am I spending most of my time doing the things that that I, that I wasn't hired to do? And, and why is so, so little of my time spent doing the thing that I feel like only I can do, you know, as a unique uh, individual professional. And my co-founders felt the same thing in their roles in marketing and and in sales in the past. And so our goal with Almanac is to build software that enables people to, to focus on doing the kind of work that only they can do. And so the core of Almanac, as I mentioned, is a document editor. And in documents, that's where really great thinking happens. That's where you can be creative and solve problems and test ideas. But so much of our time today is spent on the collaboration, which is basically, as we see it, assigning tasks, getting feedback, making sure the boss signed off on a document, sharing something out and seeing if people read it and responding to changes. And today, those collaborative methods are essentially deer trails that people are walking down across five, six, seven different tools, 10 different meetings, 20 different versions of a document. And so much time is spent just trying to keep it all organized. And so what we built in Almanac are a set of workflows that are like rails that a train moves on that are much more structured, much more integrated, and much more transparent than what people do today so that you always know what someone did last on a piece of work, what you have to do on a piece of work, and what you've asked other people to do. And so our goal is to basically eliminate the overhead of collaboration across time zones and geographies so that you can actually spend your time focused on the things that only you can do versus trying to get on the same page. And so we build basically software that enables professionals to do that. And the kicker here is that if you're an engineer who works in code or you're a designer who works in design, design components, you already have tools that allow you to do these things. Yeah. There are products called uh, GitHub and Figma that have existed for 10, 20 years at this point that enable designers and engineers to essentially work asynchronously across locations and time zones. And they do that through version control and workflows, basically the two things I was just mentioning. And our goal with Almanac is to bring those same technologies to people who work in docs so that 
they too can also be much more creative and much more focused and much more in a flow state than they can be today. So I made that question because you define yourself as a product guy. I mean, again, how do you capture the needs of companies now that it's more difficult to be in touch with them? Well, I mean, at least physically, do you like send them surveys? Do you talk with random people over the internet and, and ask them about their uh, workflow problems? How do you capture those needs of organizations now that you're working remotely? Our product at Almanac, you know, our, our growth is really predicated on having an extraordinary product that is better than Microsoft Word and Google Docs and Slack and email. And those are pretty good products. And so for us, it's really critical is listening to our customers. We have a core set of 50 to 100 customers, and we are very rigorous in both studying their behavior in our platform. We don't actually see what they're doing, but we can see their activity and get a sense of how are they working together. And then we also talk to them through interviews, through surveys, and just get a sense of how do they feel on our product because you know more than the functional value provides we want our product to feel liberating and like a place where people can actually be great at what they do and that's a that's an emotional reaction to to the software not just hey does this save me time or does this help me eliminate tools and so we combine qualitative and quantitative feedback to get a sense of is what we're building actually better than the alternatives that people have how are people using the software and how do we you know, deepen the advantages that we have and expand the surface area beyond what we are already do to build something that can ultimately be a replacement for Microsoft Office for remote teams. I was going to ask you that. What platforms do you think you will kill if, if, if you continue <laughs> to, to, to have such a successful product? But I mean, how are we going to change the way we work and what platforms have to change to allow us to be more productive? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I talked before about office culture, and that's what we call the old way that we used to work in the world before the pandemic, in the world before the cloud. And the dominant productivity suite for office culture is Microsoft Office, and it's literally named after the place where stuff gets done. And in Microsoft Office, you have amazing tools, like amazing editors like Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, Microsoft PowerPoint. You know, These are fantastic tools for um, creating and, and documenting your ideas, whether they come in numbers or words or graphics. Um, but those tools do not excel at actually helping you collaborate, get feedback, get approvals, share out ideas, respond to changes. And so while they're great editors, they're terrible at collaboration. And in a cloud-based world where everyone is connected, all your work is connected in one central place, you know, our, our goal is to leverage cloud technology, which obviously is used by remote teams, in order to build editors that are not just good at helping people create ideas and document them, but actually push those ideas from, from being just a thought into something that's reality. And today, if you use Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel, those are great editors, but you still need email, you still need meetings, you still need a messaging tool like Slack or Teams in order to get stuff done. And our goal with Almanac is to integrate all, those, all that functionality into a single platform so that you can take an idea and push it into reality without ever leaving the platform. Uh, you can't do that today with Microsoft Office. You can't do that with Google Docs, which is basically a version of Microsoft Word that's put on the internet. You have to fundamentally rethink how these tools work. And that's our goal with Almanac. The next question is something that probably all leaders in startups face. I, I want to hear your strategy, you know? How do you avoid losing focus on developing and growing your product? Because you're a product guy, again, so I understand you care a lot about how good your product looks, how easy to use is, etc. But you also have to, you know, 
do sales, marketing, expanding your market share. So how do you balance that? That's a great question. And, and I think we're a bit of a, the exception to the rule here. You know, a lot of, I think when new software products are being introduced over the last 15, 20 years, it, it was a very great strategy to say, we're going to pick one single problem mm -hmm. that people have in the offline world and we're going to digitize it. And then because the market on the internet is so huge, we're just going to ride that curve all the way up to being a billion dollar company. And so, you know, examples of these types of point solutions are like file sharing, like Dropbox or messaging like Slack. It's like, there's, here's one, one thing that people have to get done at work in this case. And if you can execute on that one job to be done very well, you can market and sell it and become a very huge successful company. And that worked, I think, in the first phase of the digital transition and software development because there were no digital tools yet. And so people would buy the digital equivalent of what they had offline and you know you could be a billionaire. I think there's a, now that we have a ton of digital tools, there's not really a lot of blue ocean left for like people to come in and develop yet another yeah. chat tool that's better than Slack. And so I think a lot of the successful tools these days are more platforms that basically integrate together several of the like single tools that existed before that were individual jobs to be done into something that's much more efficient for individuals and also cheaper for companies. And so, you know, for, for us, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question because we think a lot about how do we help people get the entire workflow done versus just a single piece of it, because there are a lot of tools out there, whether it's Slack or email or Google Docs that help people get the individual pieces of it done. But the problem today is there's just so much inefficiency in trying to context switch and copy and paste and integrate across those tools that you end up taking, it takes longer to get stuff done than it would if you were not using them at all. And so for us, you know, we, we think a lot about the workflow and the integration across the different steps or parts rather than just any individual piece. But at the same time, I think you're right that, you know, where we've decided to focus are on professions where people are executing processes that occur mostly in documents. So there are professions like finance that spend a lot of time in spreadsheets. There are consultants who spend their entire days in PowerPoints. You know, we are focused on professions like operations teams, legal teams, strategy teams, marketing teams that actually work in documents most of the time and have documents as the creative surface. And, you know, we, we think integrating on top of the creative surface is actually that's companies who win. And so GitHub and Figma, those companies integrated on top of an editor for code or an editor for design. And they ended up winning because it's just more efficient to collaborate on top of the work that you're creating. And so we're focused on people who execute processes on documents and helping them execute those processes 10x faster and more efficiently than they can today across five or six or seven different tools. Your product can be used by anyone anywhere in the world. So do you see yourself like a global company from day one or global expansion is something that you will probably, you know, push and, and try to pursue later on when you are prepared or, or when the context is different? Yeah, so from the founding of the company, we were an international affair. Uh, one of my co-founders lives in Bath in the United Kingdom. Another one of my co-founders lives in North Carolina. I live in San Francisco. And so from the start, we were spread across countries and time zones. Today, we have people in five or six or seven different countries across the world. And because our product can be used, as you said, almost anywhere, I think over time as we're increasingly successful, we'll open up offices to localize our product in Asia, in Australia, across Europe and South America. And so globalization and the internationalization of our product is a really important part of our strategy. 
I also think that we benefit internally from having a team that comes from different places and backgrounds. That diversity of thinking helps us create better, better products for a wider cross-section of people. I think if we were all just white guys in San Francisco, we would end up designing a product that was great for people like us, but that wouldn't necessarily meet the needs of the global audience that we serve. And so, yeah, globalization is, we certainly benefit as a company from globalization because that's what enables remote work and collaboration. And, you know, we want to be a case study in how a remote distributed team can succeed for all of our customers. Yeah. So one interesting thing about your platform that I love is that you're not only, you know, a place to create and share things for organizations internally, but you're also like an open source database of knowledge for startups and entrepreneurs. So what have you learned from people creating things on Almanac? I mean, what things have surprised you that you found there? Yeah, I mean, one of our one of the pain points that we see with collaboration is that a lot of people reinvent the wheel all the time on problems that have been solved before, whether it's writing offer letters for candidates or marketing copy for user acquisition or FAQs for customers. You know, people are constantly starting from scratch when they should just be building off of other people's work. And that's not how code gets written. If you look at how software is developed, things that are now common components like drop-down menus or login screens are now uh, open-source components that people can just copy and customize from open source repositories on the web. And so one of the features that we have in Almanac is a community layer we call the Almanac core, where people can publish open source documents that others can copy and customize. And we have about 5,000 docs in the Almanac core. We have hundreds of thousands of visitors to it every month. And it's, it's really exciting because I think it, for us, it shows the potential of people collaborating, not just within their companies, but across companies and starting to create standards around repetitive processes that people shouldn't be starting from scratch on. And so, you know, that for us is a, it's a product benefit. It's also a, a pretty big way we acquire customers because when people are searching on Google, they come across a validated document in Almanac that they can easily modify using our software. And so for us, you know, open source is, is another benefit of people um, working remotely and collaborating in the cloud that we hope to bring to people, to professionals who, who aren't working in code but are working in, in docs and with words all day long, which is, we think, 70, 80% of the, the global work population. But is there like some specific document that you were surprised to find in your platform that you said, oh, this is brilliant, or I didn't know this existed? We've definitely been surprised with how people have been using it. I think in the United States in 2020, there was mm. a period where there were a lot of protests around racial justice and a huge and needed focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And one of the things that we've seen with the Almanac Corps is people spikes in usage when there's a problem that suddenly comes up in the world that people don't have answers for. Mm -hmm. And so certainly this issue around how do companies incorporate DEI into their practices? How do they recruit more equitably? How do they acknowledge the diversity within their current workforce? How do they mitigate issues that may come up with customers? Or, or manufacturing practices, like there, there's tons and tons of ways you can you can adjust and improve the way that you work to be more equitable that most companies had no idea how to do. And, it, and it's one thing to say on Twitter or Facebook, hey, we're, we're committed to DEI and we're committed to racial justice. That's easy to do. The hard thing is actually figure out how do you change the way that you work in order to incorporate racial equity and diversity? And there are a lot of experts in this who published 
documentation about how to do that across the various aspects of a company's operations on Almanac. And we, that was one, one place we saw open source docs really make an impact on the world. And then the more obvious one is just the rapid shift to remote work and work from home in March, 2020. Nobody knew how to set up remote operations, how to communicate about what was happening with COVID. It was just this big crisis. And when people can publish and share best practices that other people can easily use and adapt, it definitely changes the game. And we saw major, major spikes in usage of the Almanac core, our community layer, during these continual rolling crises of 2020, when people were looking for credible answers that they could actually apply in their jobs. It's a good question how your platform can be used uh, for education purposes or for NGOs. We've been talking about how startups you know, are in need of creating policies and documents that maybe other startups have already created 10 years ago or five years ago. NGOs is the same, you know, how many NGOs out there don't know how to do marketing for their issues they are trying to fight or how to, you know, find funding for their causes. And they can also start sharing those kind of strategies and documents in your platform, right? Do you have any examples of how your platform can be used for that? Yeah, and I think that's success for us thinking about Almanac over the long term is that communities of practitioners working on important problems like climate change or racial justice or voting rights here in the United States or going to space can use Almanac as a way, seeing how work got done within a company, using our version control and our workflows, you can understand how did the idea become the result that got implemented, who gave feedback, who gave approvals, who had separate ideas, and how did they get incorporated in? All of that is super transparent through our activity feed and through our replay mode and through our ability to branch and merge documents. You can basically see how there used to be a cartoon in America about how a bill becomes a law. You can see how an idea becomes a reality in Almanac, just step-by-step, person-by-person, task-by-task. And the cool thing is that if companies or organizations want to, they can actually publish those to the Almanac core and let, let other people build off their work. And so on really important issues where we need to have people working together across organizations on Almanac, you can publish, you know, the result to where your group of people, where your team or organization came to and let somebody else take it and run with it from there. You know, academia has had this kind of review function for a long time where people can peer review each other's work and can use uh, research papers to come up with new ideas. And, And we want to enable the same types of collaboration where people are building off each other's work across organizations an important issues where we all need to be working together to move the needle. And so success for us, as you mentioned, is, is to build these communities of practitioners where version control and workflows can help enable outcomes that individual organizations or teams couldn't achieve on their own. That, that is success for us. Today on Almanac, we have congressional offices that use hmm. our features around getting feedback to incorporate feedback from constituents on policies or bills. We have organizations like the Red Cross who are using Almanac to update policies and procedures as things change on the front line. We have sports organizations who use Almanac to incorporate ideas from various franchises around the country or the world. And it's exciting to see people use Almanac to essentially enable distributed collaboration. As you said, that's not just something that is germane to companies or for-profit organizations. It's something that everybody uses in almost every aspect of life. And being able to collaborate and work together to achieve Things that are greater than we could do on our own across bigger areas is, I think, the ultimate goal we have with Almanac and is core to our mission. So final question. Let's talk about the future. 
how do you imagine our working environment, whatever that means? But you know, maybe that's the first question. What is what, what will be a working environment of the future? But not only that, you know, what tools will be used by us in five or ten years? Yeah, you know, I, I like this one idea I, I talk about a lot is arbitrage. And arbitrage today is a financial concept where you can essentially make money by trading currencies <laughs> that have different values at different periods of time. And one of the amazing things about the world we live in now is that there's all sorts of new types of arbitrage where you can essentially create opportunity for people in bigger ways because we are now living in a world where where people are more connected across locations. And so there's there's obviously geographic arbitrage where people in countries that are not the United States or Europe can have access to opportunities they didn't have before because companies can hire great people anywhere. And so there's there's geographic arbitrage. There's also time arbitrage. You know, you can have a team that's working from nine to five in the United States, and then that team at 5 p.m. passes off work to folks in Thailand at 9 a.m. And that team can take over and work nine to five while people in North America are sleeping and then pass off the work. And so you can now have teams that are working 24 hours a day to, to move the needle and push the ball forward in a way you couldn't before. And I think you can also have talent arbitrage where mm -hmm. people who... Anyone with an internet connection, whether they're living in Kansas or in Nairobi, in Kenya, can have access to opportunities and show what they're worth. And based on the, the quality of their ideas and the depth of their skills can end up winning in a global market. And that's true within companies, it's true across companies. And so you have this expansion of opportunities where individuals as well as companies can now take advantage of a much larger market, essentially, the talent of the global population to to do things better and bigger and faster. And I think that's a, it's a really exciting time to be alive because this wasn't possible 10 years ago and it certainly wasn't the norm even one year ago. And I'm excited for the world we live in because I think more people will have more opportunities. And I think you know it comes down, as you mentioned too, to the tooling that we have. If we continue to work the way that we, we did before, while we may have more access to opportunity, none of it will be realized because we're, we haven't actually evolved the way that we behave. And I think with tools like Almanac and many others, we're building infrastructure for better collaboration, more shared knowledge, more opportunity that can enable us all to better solve the problems that are increasingly complex and bigger than seemingly the tools we have today can handle. Thank you very much, Adam, for this conversation. I'm truly excited about your product. I love the idea of challenging the big players that have almost monopolized, you know, the way we work, the tools we use for work in the last 20 years. And, and I'm looking forward to see where Almanac goes. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. And that's it. This is the end of our show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can find all past episodes on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you are planning to hire a new global team member, Remember that Globalization Partners makes it easy to onboard international talent in a matter of days. Go to globalization-partners.com to get started. Welcome to the Going Global Podcast, brought to you by Globalization Partners. Hire anyone, anywhere, quickly and easily. Use our AI-driven, automated, fully compliant global employment platform. Powered by our in-house worldwide HR experts with a 98% customer satisfaction rating. Globalization Partners. Succeed faster.